Father God, we, we ask that today, as much as any other day, you remind us that we are the children of one true king. And no matter what we brought in here this morning, we were able to lay at your feet, lay at your cross, and just relish in the fact that you call us children, that you've adopted us, and that we now live differently because of that. Lord, we ask that 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 message of grace and that message of acceptance be heard loud and clear this morning as we talk about your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we are wrapping up. We're coming to the closure of our Epiphany series of New Year's Same Promises. And that's important because we are venturing out into uh, probably one of my favorite seasons of the church year. My, one of my favorite seasons is the season of Lent, second to Advent because Advent is just, I mean, it's Christmas. Uh, but th- there's something amazing about purging and about uh, reflection and diving into what God has for us as people that the season of Lent provides for us in a new way. And so today we're, we're still in this series, New Year, Same Promises. But today we're going to talk about a promise that is core to our belief and core to who I am in Jesus. And that is the promise of freedom. We, we have this amazing promise of freedom. Sometimes, though, not so amazing. I know someone that uh, is in a position right now where he's got to make a life or, cho- life or death choice. It may not seem like life or death to us, but to him, it's life or death. And he's got to choose whether he stays put where he is and gets his soul drained, comes home exhausted, can't sleep, or he has to choose to venture out into the unknown. <laughs> By the way, if you didn't know, February 28th, we're showing Frozen 2. Uh, he, has to, he has to choose to, to go out into something that maybe is different for sure, but maybe not necessarily better. And so this choice becomes almost a burden. And so when you start thinking about freedom, sometimes this idea of freedom can be worse than if someone would just decide for you. Let me give you a a real-life example. Babe, where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know. Where do you want to go? No, you don't always tell me. No. Where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Uh, how about the basil? No, I don't want Thai food. Where are we going to go? I don't care. How about Olive Garden? No. Right? So it, I do, and I think they have this, but if they don't and you're technically savvy, how about making an app that just picks where you go to lunch? Right? You, you put in your zip code and all of the restaurants in that zip code are in there and you just hit spin and it just spins and then boom, there it is. That's where we're going today. We're going to go to lunch there because sometimes it's better for us to have our freedom stripped away and just told what to do. It just makes everything easier. Here's the problem, though. That's not real life. We make choices every single day that are going to be life or death. They're not going to actually kill you, but they're important decisions that we make every day. That's freedom. Freedom is messy. It's painful. It's ambiguous. I mean, it, it's, so, it's so complicated that it's easy to comprehend why these other traditions talk about the word fate. 
Because if something is fate, if it's my destiny, and I have my hands completely off of it, and I don't do anything about it, it's just already cast in stone, that makes everything so much easier because I don't have to ruin it. And I can't ruin it. The problem is, is we have been given freedom by a God who says, let me show you how I love you. I love you by making you free. But then it gets more complicated. Because not only do we have freedom, and we have the responsibility of making those choices, so does everyone else. Everyone else has, because here's the deal. If it was just my freedom, it'd be fine. Problem is, everybody's got it. And if everybody's got it, that means that your freedom can ultimately impede on my freedom. Because I am also subject to the choices that you make. And so, then we have this thing that the church battles with constantly and has since the beginning of time where somebody says, how can a living God do dot, dot, dot? How can a loving God do this? How can a loving God do that? And all of a sudden now we're forced to answer this question about a loving God, but a loving God isn't always doing those things. It could be somebody else's freedom that is doing those things. And so we have been given this power of freedom. We have been given this freedom, but... We have also been given the promise of consequences for our freedom. So if you want to live a certain way, you can live a certain way. But there will be consequences to that. Your, your freedom will allow you to live that way, but there will be consequences every time you turn around to that freedom and how you're choosing to live. In the passage of Scripture today, we're going old school. We're going back to the book of Deuteronomy. And we're, we're, we're looking at something that Moses says. And, and the cool thing about the book of, I don't know if you know this or not, but the book of Deuteronomy is just basically a long sermon. It, it's, it's, it's just, and just be glad that I didn't take preaching from Moses. Because it's basically 30 chapters <laughs> of a sermon. And I'm pretty sure we wouldn't get to lunch. But Moses preaches this sermon writes down this sermon. It, it, they're on the verge of entering the promised land, and he can see it. The Jordan River is between him and the promised land. He knows that God has told him that he will not be entering the promised land with the, with the Israelites. And so it's his last chance to communicate something big. It's his last chance to let them know of things. And so what he does is he begins to write down everything that's happened. That's why in Deuteronomy we get, we get duplicates of Exodus. We get some things that we've already read about. We get some things we've already heard about. Because Moses is now recapping this amazing journey from slavery to homeless to the Red Sea parting to the coming down with the tablets to the pillar of fire, to the pillar of smoke, all of these stories that we've heard from Genesis and Exodus, Moses is now reminding the people of Israel what that looked like and what that was for. And so as he begins to do this, he's recapping everything. Remember the life. Remember these things. And then he closes it out in chapter 30. And it starts, his, we, we call this in the communication business, landing the plane. This is when Moses begins to land the plane because he's not good at it. He just preached for 30 chapters. So he probably should have landed the plane a long time ago. But he's finally landing the plane, and here it comes. It's coming in. He starts in verse 30 or verse 15 in chapter 30, and it goes like this. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, 
For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, his decrees, and his laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing in the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast on him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give you, swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is how, this is, look, if you knew the last things you were going to say, what would it be? These are the last words that Moses is going to utter. One might say this is the most important thing that he says to his people that he's been leading. These five verses of choose life or choose death. He says, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity or death and adversity. There's nothing we can do to elude these choices. These choices are before us every single day. And it sounds simple. None of us want to choose death. None of us would choose cursing. None of us would choose to be cursed. It sounds like a very simple thing. What, choose life or death? Oh, I choose life. All right, see you. Have a good week. Right? It really, it really should be that it's obvious. We want to choose life. But we can't, we can't get past every day the choice or the choices that we have to make. We have been promised freedom. And we have been promised those consequences to come along with that. So how do we adapt to that? How do we deal with that? You ever read, I think you do this more when you get older. Um, And and just so you know, there used to be these things called newspapers. um, And they would come to your house and you could read them. Um, The obituaries. There's always these funny, like, skits and gags about older people in sitcoms reading through the obituaries to see if they know people. There's one, I can't remember what movie it's in, but she's... Oh, it's a, it's, it's a Friends episode. Uh, she's crossing out names in the phone book. Uh, she, she's reading the obituary, and they say, what are you doing? She goes, updating the phone book. <laughs> but what, what, if, what if obituaries actually told the truth, right? Because obituaries really are just a series of this is their name, this is where they lived, this is where they were born, these are who they're related to, things like that, right? But, but what if obituaries actually did something more? And you picked up your paper and you read this. Bob Hickman grew up middle class. And his greatest achievement was raising up to upper middle class. That's all. Or, or how about this one? Marsha Lawson was known as a big talker. But we couldn't find anyone that remembered anything she said. Harold Riley ignored his family. But he made sure you knew that he'd seen every episode of Friends three times. What if if our 
our obituaries actually talked about us. They don't say when a life has been wasted or a life has been lived. They just talk about the life. What about these? Louise Chaplin loved her children, and it seems like everybody else's too. Anne Quinlan noticed things. The beauty of the rain, a touching song, a well-placed hug. Tony Martin enjoyed his job, and every now and then he spoke a word of grace to someone that would never have heard it otherwise. We have the choice every day to live in a way where we choose death or we choose life. We choose to live for what's important or we choose to live for what's not important. I wish that newspapers had poets that were on staff to when they receive the obituary, they would write it. Because poets have the ability to tell the truth. And it would, it would be something a little bit different. Here's Moses on the edge of the promised land, looking over a river into the land that God has set aside for them, a land that has been a 40-year journey to get to. He looks over, and he lays out the two ways which Israel must decide. I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. What does it mean to choose life and prosperity? Remember, this is the end of a sermon. So in the sixth chapter of this sermon, verse 4, Moses says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. What is it to choose life and prosperity? It's to love the Lord your God that way. This is how he concludes. He says, listen to what I have said today. I have laid it out for you, life and death, good and evil. Love God. Walk in God's ways. Keep, keep the commandments so that you will live, truly live, passionately, joyfully, blessed by God. I warn you, if you have a change of heart, refuse to listen to it. Refuse to serve little gods because you will die. But it's your choice, life or death. Blessings or cursings. My best friend in the whole entire world lives in Texas, and, and uh, we went on a cruise with them a few years ago, and we were sitting on a beach in Cozumel looking at, if you've, like, Tahoe is, is gorgeous, but there's something like Caribbean blue is a real thing. And when you see that kind of ocean for the first time, it's like it's breathtaking. And I remember sitting out on that beach looking out, and I remember just looking over at Michael, and he's just weeping. Like he's just, he can't, he can't even control himself. And I'm thinking to myself, what a pansy. <laughs> you're, dude, you're crying because water, man. It's just the ocean. Now, granted, he's from the Midwest where all water is brown. He's, he's not used to seeing blue water. But he's looking out, and he just, like, there are just tears streaming down his face. And as I was going through this, this week, I thought to myself, that is how we live. That is how we choose life. We see things like that. We notice things like that. We wake up, and we smell the rain before it's ever there. 
and we go, oh. Or that feeling of the very first snow, and you walk outside, and everything is dead quiet because the snow has just insulated everything. And you just walk out, and you go, this is, this is good. This is really good. My favorite things lately is just waking up on Christmas morning and walking down the street because it's the only time there's no one driving. And you can just go, hmm, that's good. It's just so quiet, so peaceful. Lately, we've been having these amazing pink sunsets. Like the clouds have just been on fire. We just had a full moon. All of these things that we just go about our business missing because we don't pay any attention to them. Living, I think, is noticing these things, being present in these things, appreciating these things. Listen, I have major seasonal stuff where I just tank emotionally. But yesterday I sat on my porch and the sun, I, I actually was sweating. <laughs> Mike's like, why? It was freezing. He still got too much Arizona in him. This, this, just this thing, it's one of the reasons why my retreat is the mountains. Because you can't help but notice amazingness when you're walking in the mountains. Think about how stupid this is. One of my favorite things to do is backpack. Uh, now, just think about how stupid backpacking is. I have a house with a bed and a refrigerator, cupboards full of food. But yet I choose for two, three, four, five days to put everything I own in a backpack, hike miles with 40 pounds on my back, up mountains, bouldering cliffs, set up a silicone-based material, hope that it doesn't leak if it rains, and then sleep on the ground, usually right on a rock. So stupid. Probably the dumbest hobby you could possibly have. I mean, when you think about camping in general, it's expensive to be homeless for a week. I mean, it just, it blew up. But, but when you're out there and you see like a bald eagle crash into a lake and grab a fish, or when you see a there's nothing more exciting than a fish jumping. How dumb is that? Like I have, I have, the, I have Disney Plus which means I have, I have access to every National Geographic documentary ever made. I can watch fish jump on TV from my reclining couch where I didn't have to boil water or use a filter. Just turn my tap on. But there is something about being there and seeing that and hanging up the straps to your hammock and you know you're going to be sleeping there. Or just setting, it's just, it, there's nothing for me. There's nothing like it. And I do. I feel like I'm living that joyful, abundant life when I'm away from everything else and just get to enjoy the things around me. I'm so present. I'm so there. The problem is the choices aren't usually labeled life or death. Not only do, do, do I crave for fate sometimes, I also crave for skull and crossbones warning me not to do something. It'd be so much clearer if there were warning labels on everything. Because let's face it, there are warning labels on everything. Who, who's the person that ate that little silica thing that comes in your shoes or whatever? 
Somebody did it. That's why they had to write, do not eat. Because someone thought, oh, look, my shoes came with seasoning. Everywhere we look and everything we do comes with a warning label except for the choices that we make. And so often we're stuck making this choice that's going to have major, major consequences. And we don't really think about it. They don't seem important. But we deal with life and death every day. See, we choose death when we ignore God and choose anything inferior to God. We choose death. Choosing death is a slow process. It's a slow process of giving ourselves to what does not matter. Modern life is just impoverished with lack of purpose. We rush to meet deadlines that don't matter. They're insignificant. We bow down to ideas that are not worthy to be bowed down to. Moses' sermon reminds us that there are ways that we can choose life. This is one of the most life-giving things I did this week. I wrote down ways to choose life. It's one of the reasons why I printed out the message today, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't leave any things out. I spent time praying, and I just wrote down these life-giving things. Moses' sermon says this, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Give to the poor. Fight for justice. Care for the hurting. Treat others fairly. Share food with the hungry. There's a myriad of these sacred possibilities just buried in this scripture. Learn things you told yourself you were never going to learn. You want to feel like you're alive? Try to learn something. Pick up a guitar for the first time. You know how you know you're alive? You get these nasty calluses on your fingers, and they hurt. Everything you touch hurts. Try to learn something you never thought you'd learn. Enjoy simple things. Play with some kids. You want to feel like you're alive? You might want to take kids with you. It might be kind of weird if you just show up at a park and start playing. But there's something amazing about getting down on the ground and putting Legos together and seeing it from the eyes of a kid that is ready to just build something for the very first time. Play with some kids. Laugh. Laugh often. Laugh long. Laugh loud. I had a friend in high school that I see periodically still, and he had this laugh that it didn't matter how bad your joke was, all you had to do was get Mike to laugh. Because if you got Mike to laugh, everyone was going to laugh. And we all got pretty good. We went to college together, and so we all got pretty good at, at laughing like Mike. And, and he, would, he would just, his head would get thrown back. His mouth was giant. I mean, he, he could fit his fist in his mouth. Like, that's no joke. Like, without, like, cramming it. Like, I have to, like, break knuckles. He could just fist right in his mouth. And, and, and when he laughed, he laughed, man. He just threw his head back and went, <laughs> for minutes. Like, I mean, it would just go. And it didn't matter if we were in a library, in a cafeteria. It made no difference to him. He was going to laugh. And I'll tell you, I can't even imagine how alive that must have felt. 
to be involved in that kind of laughter. Cry when it's time to cry. Let yourself just weep. You know, grief is one of these gifts like freedom. We hate it, but it is so good to be able to grieve, to be able to cry when it's time to cry. Be patient with your own imperfections. That means you have to let yourself mess up. That's how you live. You know, they, they always use the example of you'll only touch a stovetop once, right? When you touch a hot stovetop, you know you're alive because it sends everything through your body, right? I mean, be patient with your own imperfections. Be patient with the imperfections of others. Surround yourself with what you love, whether it's family, friends, pets, music, nature, silence. We've been watching this show. Well, I've been watching the show. Julie hates it. It's called Alone. This show is crazy. It's like Survivor, but for real. They take 10 contestants, and they drop them in British Columbia or Patagonia or Mongolia, and the idea is to survive longer than everybody else. They get 10 items to take with them. And they journey through these, you know, whether it be 60, 70, 30 days that they're out there by themselves completely. No film crews. They're filming themselves. So they have no one to talk to. And this journey is amazing because every day they get on and they talk to the, compu- they talk to the camera. And the things that they mention and the, 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 the cathartic thing about this thing is that they journey through these things of what do they miss. And, and, and early on, it's always like, oh, I would love pizza right now. Because if they catch fish, they eat. If they don't, they don't. And so they're starving to death. And, and, and it starts off with very, like, easy things like that. And then around day 40, it always turns where they just want to see their wife or they miss their kids. One, even, one person even missed their boss. Just this thing, what, what becomes important to you? What is it that you crave? Do it. Be with that. Find it. Live it. Be in the midst of those things. If family is that to you, then spend more time with family. What does it look like? What makes you feel alive? Take a walk just around the block. Turn off the TV and get together. Get together with friends. Have people, you know, can I just let you in on a secret? Nobody cares how good of a cook you are. Invite them over for hot dogs. And we're America. Hot dogs are cuisine here. If you want to get fancy, cut them up, put them in mac and cheese. No, nobody cares. It's about being together. Here, here in just a few, in, in a few weeks, you're going to start hearing about the itinerary and the layout of what you're going to do at women's retreat. Can I just tell you this right now? Who cares? You know what you're going to do at women's retreat? You're going to be together. You're going to be with one another. You're going to live life together. You're going to find out more about them. You're going to find out more about you. You're going to find out more about Jesus. It doesn't matter what things you're doing. Invite someone over. Heck, invite yourself over. We're close enough now, right? In fact, here's your challenge. Walk up to someone today or tomorrow and say, I'm coming over to your house tonight. Jesus did it. 
Just, you know, if, if, you, if you're okay to invite them over to you, do that first. But if you don't want to, invite yourself over. That'll make everyone feel alive. <laughs> invite a stranger to lunch. This, this is the most uncomfortable thing for me to even wrap my head around as an introvert. But there are times during the week where I'll go grab something to eat and I'll be sitting at a table by myself and there's someone else at a table by themselves. What if I, what if I just sat down with them? Like what if I just grabbed my tray of food and just sat down across from them and said, hey. And then we just talked. I imagine what would happen is we would just talk. But in my heart of hearts and my fear of fears, they throw their burger at me. But, but invite a stranger to have a meal with you. Dinner, lunch. How about this? Make your bed. Clean out a drawer. You ever done that? You guys have junk drawers? You know what I'm talking about? That drawer where just everything goes. And every once in a while you have to clean it out because it doesn't shut anymore. And you get done cleaning that out and you step back and go, oh, it feels good to have a drawer cleaned out. Do something you have control over. Make your bed. Start off productive. Changes your whole day. Quit doing the things that aren't worth your time. Now, here's my fear. All you're going to go to work tomorrow and quit. (laughs) But the bottom line is there are things in our life that are worth our time, and there are things in our life that are not. And if you are surrounding yourself by things that are sucking your soul and things that are, that, that are constantly making you hate who you are and hating your life, figure out how to stop doing that because you are choosing death slowly. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's easier to stay where we are because it's comfortable. Even if it's our own sludge, at least it's our sludge, and we know it. Because venturing out could mean, oh, it could be scary. But every time you make a choice to go and do something that crushes your soul, you're choosing death. Choose life. Choose things that bring you life. Do something. Do something so someone else doesn't have to. Huh, what a... Uh, you know, and, and if you need something to do, I've got leaves in my backyard. Plums that have fallen off my tree and now need to be acid washed. I don't even think a pressure wash is going to handle it. Do, do something so somebody doesn't have to do it. That's as simple as opening a door. Do something for someone. Give money to a cause that you care about. Stop arguing. Apologize to someone. Even if it was mostly their fault. Forgive, some, forgive someone, even if she doesn't ask for it. Have patience. You know what? Stop having patience and tell the truth if you need to. Sometimes just having hard conversations is choosing life. Figure out what hope what, what you hope for, and live for that hope. 
In the last part of this service, worship with all your heart. Worship like Mike Weber laughs. Loud. Long. Passionately. Throw your head back if you have to. Forget anyone else is here. Worship with all your heart. Pray genuinely. Love your church. Believe that God loves you. And that's a big one. You want to feel alive? Believe that God loves you. Don't just come here and hear it. Believe it. Believe that God loves you. Remember the stories of Jesus. See Jesus in the people around you. Share God's love with someone who's forgotten it. Delight in God's good gifts. See that all life is holy. Open your heart to the Spirit. Search for something deeper, something better than your own comfort. Live in the joy beneath it all. Let God make your life wonderful. We're about to enter this journey. February 26th is Ash Wednesday. This is why we do Lent. It's to figure out how to be alive, to figure these things out. We get so caught up sometimes at what am I going to give up? What what am I going to stop doing? What am I going to fast from? But in reality, what are you going to do to live? What what are you going to do through Lent to choose life, to choose prosperity, to do something that God is asking you to do? Not just give stuff up. Sometimes we start there. But after a while, we have to start, stop giving up and start taking on and start saying, God, what is it that you have for me? What will make me be alive? What will make me want to choose life every single day? What will feed my soul? And so we take this 40-day journey to focus, to recognize that there is something out there that I can just dive into, and it's got to be there somewhere. There's something I need it. I need to choose life. As we go into connecting time, as Pastor Jess comes up to just kind of go over some of these stations we're going to be doing, even participating in connecting time is choosing life. There there are certain places you'll go, certain things that you'll do, and you're choosing to do these things because they bring something to you. Even even staying where you are during connecting time can be choosing life because you just let it soak in. Maybe during connecting time today, you just want to sit there and you just want to sing and you want to worship with all your heart. You want to pray genuinely. You'll hear from Pastor Jess. We have stations for all of that. But you have to choose to use them. You have to choose to engage in a God that is calling you to engage. So this is your time. As we enter into connecting time, I ask you this. Will you choose life and prosperity or death and adversity? Will you let fear hold you back? Or will you step out and do something amazing today?